Well, today we're on number four, how to acquire wisdom. You know, I want to get real practical today exactly on how to acquire wisdom. Now, I believe true wisdom is always visibly manifested. You see, the wise never just know things, but the wise, they do things. They show you. So wisdom will display itself in daily matters. Every day we'll see the displays of wisdom. And true wisdom always begins in the heart as part of one's character and value system. And then it works itself outward um, into our actual words and our deeds so that people can see them. They're displayed that way. So step number one, always prepare your heart to receive it. Always prepare your heart to receive it. Now you see, the seeds of wisdom only grow in well-cultivated soil. And the two things that define a prepared heart are a proper fear of God, that's number one, and a genuine humility. Those two things will prepare your heart to receive this wisdom. Proverbs 9 and verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And in Proverbs 1 verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And in Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. Now, I believe that the fear of God and humility are two sides of the same coin here. The proper fear of God will produce humility, and humility will produce a proper fear of God. A fear of God, you see, is what we should have whenever we look at God. And genuine humility is what we should have when we look at ourselves, you see. Now there's a lot of people who really struggle with this whole concept of fearing God. And I'll tell you why. They're thinking that this, if God is, as the book of Romans describes Him, you know, one who desires for us to crawl up into his lap and call him Abba, the, the Hebrew, Hebrew equivalent of daddy. And if perfect love really does cast out fear, then why or how is his children to continue to fear him? You know, it kind of looks like a dilemma there. There was a Sunday school teacher at one time, she said, it's a deep respect or fear like you have of your father when you know you've done something wrong. You know, I kind of like that, but, but honestly, the more I've studied the Bible's over 250 calls to fear the Lord, and the more I've meditated on the Bible's description of this God who is a consuming fire, and whose wrath is revealed from heaven against all of the unrighteousness of men. And the more I've learned about the Greek and the Hebrew words for fear, which frankly describes an ex just exceeding terror, the more I realize that this fearing God thing is way more than anything that I've ever felt toward my earthly father or anyone else. But as the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, we all need to get a handle on how we can have an exceeding um, 
terror of God and at the same time we're totally trusting and confident in His love and in His grace. Now, I really think a proper fear of God must begin with an understanding of His holiness. That will help us to understand and it'll help us to fear God. Folks, God is not like us, as you know. His purity, His righteousness, His sense of judges, uh, uh, justice, and it just goes far beyond anything that we can even imagine. And His unique power to be able to create and to destroy and to bring life or death just from a word is awesome. That in itself should cause us to tremble when you think of the awesomeness of God. You see, please understand that humility always accompanies a proper fear. Humility always accompanies a proper fear. You see, humility is not just a self a poor self-image or a lack of confidence, but it's knowing who we really are and what we really need from the Lord to live in this dark and sinful world. You see, well, step number two is to prioritize, prioritize it as your highest value. Prioritize it as your highest value. You see, wisdom is not a quality we want to add to our lives. It is the quality. It's not just a quality, but it's the quality we want to add to our lives. Um, to have poor, to have the proper motivation to acquire wisdom, we must understand its great worth. And sometimes I don't think we do understand its great worth. We must hunger and we must thirst for it. We must cherish it and long to embrace it. We must want to have it really bad. Proverbs verse 16, or chapter 16 and verse 16 says, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen above silver. And again in Proverbs the third chapter in verses 13 through 15, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profits is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. And then in Proverbs, the seventh chapter, verses one through four, Solomon said, My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live, and my teachings as the apple of your eye. Folks, if something's going to be the apple of your eye, you've got to make it your goal or your value. And then Solomon continues here. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your intimate friend. Folks, here's a question. Do you and I, do we cherish wisdom like that? You know, do we desire wisdom like that? Well, with hearts prepared and wisdom prioritized, it's time to number three, diligently pursue it in all the right places. Diligently pursue it in all the right places. In Proverbs, the second chapter, verses four through nine. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will, you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. 
He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of just, uh, justice. And he, he perseveres the way of his godly ones, or he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. Folks, if you really want wisdom and all the blessings that God gives to the wise, you must seek her as you're seeking for silver and search for her as you're looking for a hidden treasure. But the really good news is this, that searching for wisdom is not like trying to find a needle in a haystack at all. You see, wisdom is not hard to find. Matter of fact, wisdom, um, she's not hiding from you. In fact, wisdom is actually out there searching for you. It's like, how in the world is that going on? Well, she's calling out to anyone and to everyone to come and enjoy her blessings. Look at the ninth chapter of Proverbs, verses 1 through 6. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat of my food, drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. Now, when you look at that, you, that's pretty good. you got to say, hey, that's worthwhile. You know, there are some things of great value that we will pursue all of our lives, but we'll never achieve. But wisdom, the most important, is not one of them. And since wisdom calls out to us, honestly, one has to be a fool not to find her. And I think the scriptures back that up. Well, folks, here are six places here, or six ways wisdom is acquired. Number one, through prayer. Through prayer. Proverbs 2 and verses 3 through 6. If you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as a for a hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And then, of course, in the New Testament, you're familiar with the passage in James, the first chapter, verses five through eight. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must first ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, folks, I don't care how you slice it, that's an incredible Bible verse containing wonderful promises there. That's something you can hang your hat on there. And because of those verses, when you look at that, let's answer three questions here. First question, right now, in what situation or relationship or decision in your life do you need wisdom? I think you'd say in all of those things you would need wisdom. Question number two, have you asked God for? Question number three, if not, why not? Jesus said in John's gospel in chapter 16, verse 24, he says, until now, 
You have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive. You see, God has promised to answer this prayer and do it generously. He's not going to pass out just enough wisdom for you to get by on. He's going to do it without reproach. You see, He's not going to beat you up for you getting yourself in a situation where you need wisdom. Listen to me. God will start right where you are today and help you walk to where He wants you to be. See, that's the nature of God's grace. However, you must believe that God is there and He has the power to do what He said He would do. You do have to have that kind of faith. And then when you ask, you ask Him with the heart committed to implementing His answer. Oftentimes, we neglect that part. We want to ask God for the answer, but then we don't listen to God. You see, the double-minded man says, Lord, give me wisdom. Show me what to do. But then when the Lord answers his prayer, you know, he says, I wonder if there's another option here. You know, how many times have we done that? Well, the pursuit of wisdom should always begin through prayer. Number two, wisdom is gained through the knowledge of God's word. Wisdom is gained through knowledge of God's Word. Now, last week, we saw in Psalms, the first chapter in verse 1, where David said, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, as you can see, this verse right here is really a sermon in itself, but it shows a three-step progress into foolishness. Well, a wise man will not do those things. But the second verse, David tells us what a wise man will do. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Folks, if you want to be wise, delight yourself in the law, the law of the Lord. Truly prioritize the wisdom in his word and then meditate on it day and night. That's what the scripture says. Sometimes we wonder, why in the world was I so foolish? Why didn't I do this or why didn't I do that? Folks, we got to get in the word. The scripture will guide us what to do. It will tell us what to do. Proverbs 18 and verse 15 says, The mind of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. In Revelation, the first chapter and verse 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. And heed to things which are written in it. You know, for, their, for the time is near. And of course, as we studied, I think the first message we talked about, we studied, we know that blessedness is a fruit of wisdom. You know, God's reward to the wise. So if you want wisdom, go to the Word, read it, listen to others teach it, um, study it, memorize it, and meditate on it day and night. That's the way we obtain this wisdom. Now again, there are a lot, there's a whole lot of very foolish people who know a whole lot of God's Word. But understand that wisdom, it comes as we follow up on our knowledge of His Word by pursuing wisdom 
Number three, through obedience to God's Word. See, we have to be obedient to God's Word. Revelation 1.3, it continues, Blessed is he who reads and who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things. That's the part that I would underline there, and heed the things which are written in it. You see, all Scripture calls, calls us to be doers of the Word and not just hearers. In fact, in James, the first chapter in verse 22, says those who hear but don't do are fools. And then he goes on to say they delude themselves. You see, in his parable, um, a man who built his house upon the sand, perhaps you remember that. Jesus also called those who hear his words but do not act upon them. He called them fools in Matthew, the seventh chapter. And in Psalms 111, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. You see, True wisdom will obey. And the more we obey, the wiser we become. In John's Gospel, in chapter 14 and verse 21, Jesus said, He who has my commandments and keeps them, that's one you want to underline, is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. Question here. Do you really want to know Jesus, the incarnate wisdom of God personally and intimately? Do you really want to know Him that way? Do you really want to experience His love and the love of His Father? Well then, what we need to do then is show our love for Him by both learning and obeying His Word. That's the way that we do that according to Scripture. You don't take this just from me, but this is what the Scripture, just like I said before, use a lot of Scripture because they're right. We can't get that wrong. Number four, pursue wisdom through godly counsel. Pursue wisdom through godly counsel. God often speaks and shows us through the words and examples of godly counselors. Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you really want to be wise, hang out with wise people. Listen to their conversations and seek their counsel. In other words, learn from them. Proverbs 15 and verse 12 says, A scoffer, now that's one that's way down on the road of foolishness, but a scoffer does not love one who reproves him. He will not go to the wise. And in Proverbs 13 and verse 10, wisdom is with those who receive counsel. And then in Proverbs 20 and verse 18, prepare plans by consultation. And then in Proverbs 19 and verse 20, it declares, listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. Now, the question that you and I should be asking is how do we recognize... Or how do we discern wise counsel? How do we recognize that? How do we know that that person is genuine and God-fearing? Because we all know that there's a lot of false teachers and foolish scoffers everywhere. We see it every day. We see it on the news. We see it in our community, around town, everywhere. 
Well, in Acts, the 17th chapter, in verse 11, Paul commended wise believers in Berea saying this, These were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Folks, we have to get in the word. We weigh what we hear from others against what God's word says. You know, people change every day. Societies change every day. Cultures change every day, but God's word does not. And that's what we need to follow. You see, we all need to, um, we all need to listen to those whom God has called and gifted to teach and give counsel to us. And, and, but the way that we recognize them is by examining both the soundness of their doctrine and the fruit of their lives. In other words, we test them. We weigh them against the Scripture. You know, the first qualification of church leadership is a man be above reproach. We see in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 1. But that doesn't mean that he's without sin because no man is without sin. But it does mean that he has reached a level of consistency and spiritual integrity and maturity so that there's no glaring, unrepentant, ongoing sins by which he might bring shame to the church or to the glory of God. In other words, he's a man who is indeed humbly living out the faith that he proclaims. Of course, he's living by the Word of God. But even more important, when he speaks, he's not just giving his own opinions but he's given reasonable applications and conclusions squarely built upon the precepts and principles of God's Word. Folks, that's what wise counselors do. I know when people come to me, I may think one thing, but if there's a biblical precedent for it, that trumps anything that I've got to say. I'll guarantee it. And I want to bring people to those things. Well, number five, wisdom should be acquired through life experience. See, the wise learn not only from others, but they learn from their own successes and their own failures. Proverbs, the 19th chapter, verse 25, says, Reprove one who has understanding, and he will gain knowledge. And then Proverbs 26, 11, says, Like a dog that returns to its vomit, a fool who repeats his own folly. Um, well, folks, one mark of wisdom is that we don't repeat our folly. We learn from our mistakes. The wise are open to correction and they learn from their mistakes. In Proverbs 21 and verse 11, when the scoffer is punished, the naive becomes wise. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. In John's gospel in the eighth chapter, a woman called in the very act of adultery was dragged into the street and cast at the feet of Jesus. You probably remember the story. You know, the Bible says that Jesus knelt down and he drew in the dirt. Now, there's been a lot of speculation, but of course, no one really knows exactly what Jesus wrote in the dirt or drew in the dirt. You know, it could have been he was so angry with the Pharisees for the way that they publicly shamed this woman that he was counting to 10 so he wouldn't show foolish or sinful anger in his response. But I don't think Jesus would show foolish or uh, anger in his response. So we really don't know what he wrote in his saying. But 
In verse 7, he stood up and he said, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at the woman. And from the oldest to the youngest of the, women, the woman's accusers, they just kind of slinked away there. Now, that phrase, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. I believe that is one of the most quoted and overworked verses in our culture. But frankly, it's often quoted by fools who are trying to justify their own sin. You see, you see, the real moral or concluding line in this story is the Lord's words to the woman who was in fact a foolish sinner. You know, in chapter 8 and verse 11 of John, Jesus said, I do not condemn you. Go. From now on, sin no more. See, this story does reveal the Lord's great grace and mercy. That's one thing it reveals. But friends, Jesus also gave this sinner a somber, a, a somber call to holiness here. He says, yes, my grace is upon you. But now, from now on, sin no more. Don't be a dog that returns to its vomit. Learn from this experience. Use this opportunity not to self-justify, but to change. Well, let me close probably the most important way or place for us to find wisdom, and that is through knowing Jesus. Through knowing Jesus. In Colossians, the second chapter, verses 2 and 3, we see the heart prayer of the Apostle Paul for all believers here. He says, he says this, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ Himself. And this is the part I want you to hang on to. In whom, all, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Did you get that? All the treasures of wisdom are found in Jesus Christ Himself. All of them. Folks, when you really come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you're faithful to follow Him as your Lord, you will find in Him all the treasures of wisdom. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank You for providing a way for us to be wise. Thank You for the examples that You've given Father, we thank You that You've loved us that much. Father, we ask that You help us to always seek wisdom through You and through Your Word. And Father, as we fall, we pray that You would help pick us back up. Help us to always be pointing toward our goal line. Help us to remain wise and help us to help each other to remain wise. In Jesus' name, Amen.